0: To the Hey Soul Sister podcast, where Mel Histon will guide you through life's big questions and bring you one step closer to doing this crazy journey as
1: best you can. Hey Soul Sisters, so a couple of years ago, I was in Byron Bay at a Business Chicks conference because you know I love to go to conferences and especially Business Chicks ones. And in the afternoon session, presenter came on stage and I was mesmerized by her as she shared her amazing work empowering women and communities in Asia and Africa to end world hunger and that woman is Kathy Burke and I'm so honored that Kathy is on Hey Soul Sister today to talk to us about her work and the importance of mindset in our personal and professional lives. Hey, Cathy, how you doing? I'm great, thanks Mel, so good to be here. I'm really excited to have you on this podcast because we've known each other a couple of years now and I've followed your work and I get your in newsletters and you are just doing amazing things in the world. I mean, you've done things on a, on a global scale in terms of ending hunger and working with different communities. And now you're working with people and organisations. I love that. It's all about uplifting and, and helping people to, to be better at what they do and, and leaders to be better at their work. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Yes. So, you were the CEO of The Hunger Project Australia, for 20 years and then became the global vice president working to end hunger across South Asia and Africa. That is one massive, big, hairy, audacious goal <laughs> to end hunger. How did you How did you get into that? How did you first join or, or become part of the Hunger Project?
2: Well, it's so weird because I actually got first involved in thinking about stuff more than just my hair and what nightclub I was going to go to. <sighs> through uh, my boyfriend at the time who was like 10 years older than me and he started to think, I need to start giving back. What am I going to do? And I thought, what? And he started turning up to these peace group meetings in the, this is in the late 80s and mid to late 80s. And I only turned up, Mel, because I thought those hippies are going to get their, like, talons into my boyfriend because he was actually super handsome. But I went to this meeting and I was there to scope out the... <laughs> I was incredibly insecure.
1: I love your honesty. <laughs> I love
2: those, that. you know. I <laughs> did just, just scope out the, you know, the competition. And I was listening to this woman talk about, at the time, sort of peace and disarmament and stuff. And I was just like fuck and I just tuned into everything that she said and I ended up working for her as a volunteer to run her election campaign at the time she was an independent senator I had ditched the boyfriend at this point and then I went on her staff and helped set up the Greens party in WA because I'm originally a Perth girl and she told me about the Hunger Project and at the time I was like oh my god ending hunger it's not possible It was just overwhelming so I was just like, oh no, that's just too hard. And then when I had my first child, I it just became into sharp focus for me, it, as as it does for for many people who have babies and or have young kids that they love, whether they're theirs or not. And I just holding my own daughter in my arms, and I just thought, I can't believe that others lose their kids through such totally preventable things like not enough food, dying of diarrhoea and all of these things. And so I, I just got back in contact with the Hunger Project then and then started volunteering with them, which I did for probably about five years and then I eventually went on staff. That's the very long potted history, Mel, of how I got there.
1: No, but I love hearing that history. And, and I love that you started out as a volunteer because I suppose, you know, I ran the charity Got You Back, Sister, and we're not global. We're, 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 we're locally based, but, you know, our volunteers are so important. And we love when people become passionate about what we do and and, and become in a really important part of our community. And I hear that and I go, that's wonderful that that was you. And then you ended up becoming, uh, joining the staff and you ended up running it. (laughs) I love that. And I think as well, it's, I suppose for people that, that are passionate about a cause and who are, volunteering that there is opportunities and i guess that shows that. Thank you for sharing that long story.
2: <laughs> uh, no i think it's look everyone has their way to make their contribution and for some it is through you know as a as a job and for others it's through volunteering and even if you have a job doing something that's in a difference making area you can then still volunteer in a completely other area. So i just think we all find different ways to make our contribution. And I don't think there's any right way, to be honest.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny I say to people that since doing non-profit work or charity work or whatever you want to call it, I go, nothing fills my soul more than the work I'm doing now compared to any other work I've done in my life. Like it really does fill your soul.
0: Want to fill your soul with more? Go to sisterco.com.
1: Tell us a little bit about the work that the Hunger Project does over in those communities, because from what I was reading when I was doing some research for today, you know, a lot of that was about teaching leadership and mindset in those communities to actually make change. Yeah. So if
2: anyone wants to check out the Hunger Project in Australia, just go to thp.org.au and you can find out lots of different stuff there. Look, the, the main thing the essential big idea of the Hunger Project is that that certainly hunger exists, yes, but it can end, and it will be the hungry themselves who play the leading role. It won't be people from outside, it'll be people from those communities. And one of the things that distinguishes the Hunger Project is that in each country, there's only people from that country working there. So I don't want anyone having any ideas that I was there sort of living and showing the way or anything like that at all. I absolutely wasn't. In Bangladesh, it's run by this incredible committed team of Bangladeshis and the same for people in Malawi and and that. So my role was to support and do whatever I could to help their programs work and support them in the way they can so getting back to the big idea, if, if it is that the hungry themselves play the lead role, then the first part is, is that when people have been living with hunger for such a long time, you can completely understand people are ground down there. They don't see any other way than the way that they've currently got, particularly if you're a woman and you've, you've been grown up to be told that you're worthless, that you Don't even, shouldn't even be educated. You get married young. You can't exercise the same rights and responsibilities that other citizens do. When you've always been hungry, you just think that's just your lot in life and your future just looks like that. And the mindset really is one of it's always been this way, it always stayed this way, and there's nothing I can do about it. I just hope Allah intervenes or God saves me because I can't do anything. And so shifting that mindset is like the first sort of fundamental thing that The Hunger Project does. And so it's having people come into a realisation that just because things have been this way, they don't need to stay this way. And what are the steps that I can take to to start to move in the direction of, of my own power and my own agency? And then how do we work together collectively to make that change? So it's very deep work, it's very powerful work, it's very transformational work and it takes time. Mel, like that sort of stuff, which you can, I know your listeners will totally understand, it's not just like one seminar you go to and then you think, woohoo, you know, yeah, I'm an empowered woman and I'm going to make shit happen. It's It takes a lot of to rewire that mental circuitry, if you like, from thinking that you're not good enough to actually seeing that you are. And and we can get this, even though none of us have. Sort of, you know lived most of us at least haven't lived in that sort of level of deprivation we we have our own mindsets our own beliefs that we're not quite good enough or we've gotten ground down by what's happened to us and then we start to believe that that's who we are and and I guess my one of my central missions and i certainly learnt this from the work that I did for so long is is actually challenging that that's not who we are We may have developed beliefs around that and we may have moulded our personality to reflect that by losing confidence or whatever. But actually at our core, that's not who we are. And the gatekeeper to changing those beliefs is our mindset.
1: So in layman's terms, what is mindset? Because I suppose in this, I hear a more and more, and usually in quotes on social media and that sort of thing. People talking about, oh, they've got an abundance mindset, they've got a poverty mindset, they've got this, you know. But, but at the end of the day, what is what is our mindset?
2: Our mindset is is a belief that we have about ourselves, about a situation we're in, or about someone else. It, it doesn't have to be a bad view or a good view, but so when it's a, a good, helpful mindset, you may have a mindset that yeah, I've got this. I can do this. That's a positive mindset. So that's fine. That's helping you in your life. But it's when you have these beliefs and they're persistent that they block you. So you something that you want to do or be, Mel, and you're just blocked. It's like you just can't quite get out of your own way. You're second-guessing yourself. And it's the same kind of thing you're saying to yourself quite often, like I'm not good enough or I'm just not confident enough. My... my To me that that's a mindset. It's like a persistent belief that gets in our way that we believe is true. We've got evidence for it. And an analogy I use, it's like we put on a pair of glasses. I put on a pair of glasses, and they may, you know, they may be a pair of red glasses. And over time I forget I'm wearing these glasses, Mel, so everything looks red. But it's when I And it's when I take it off, I get to see, oh, okay, well, maybe that was just the lens that I was seeing the world in. And mindsets are like that. We're just wearing constant pairs of glasses and we forget actually that it's not actually how the world is. It's just how I'm seeing the world.
1: That is such a great analogy because, (laughs) and I think it's something that we can all relate to, like, because we've all done that. We've all put on the tinted glasses and then you take them off you're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize I've been looking green. But actually, it's not. I mean, that's yeah, great. That's a great metaphor, great analogy. So, in saying that, mindset really is super important because it shapes how we see the world every day. So, how are our mindsets formed? Because I could say uh, when I look around at my at people who who are in my life without having them have done quizzes or, you know, any testing or anything like that, I could see that people have all different ways in which they view the world. And like where, so where does that come from?
2: Yeah, and also mindsets, mindsets are not, they're not like I only see the world like this all the time. So I can have like a really positive expansive mindset when I think about something and then I can have a really kind of limiting one when I think about something else so we don't just have like one like mindset I'm, I'm I'm like limited and fixed or the other like they move in and out look a lot of them they're formed a lot of them are formed in childhood Mel when we pick up cues in the world and we try to figure out how stuff works. So we pick up beliefs from our family, things that are, and often things that are said about us. Like, oh, you're a good girl. You're a, you're a kind girl. And in fact, one of my clients is a woman in Japan and runs a really successful, she works for a really large company there. And her mindset of I'm good and kind and helpful was really ingrained in her from childhood. And in fact, her name in Japanese means that. So when it oh. came to being able to have a tough conversation with some of her people on her team, she really struggled because that having that difficult conversation was so counter to the belief she had about herself that had been built into her from childhood that you're kind and considerate and really helpful. And so it was being able to see, oh, my God, that's actually just a mindset. It's not actually who I am as a, as a person. I can still be kind and have a tough, difficult conversation with one of my staff, and that was what she was able to do. So a lot of them, a lot of them come from what, like a teacher may have said to you, you may have got praised for some, for writing, for instance, which was true for me, and, and got kind of criticised for not doing maths well. And so I, I then, without thinking about it, I'm five years old, I just think I make a decision, Mel, of like, oh uh, I'm not I'm not good at maths so I'm just going to leave numbers al- alone and I'm gonna I get the praise for writing and that's just what I'm going to do more of for instance and we don't realize over time you know that you're that you're sort of living that gets to be your lane and and you just you just sort of mold your life into the beliefs that you have like I was my family will criticized a lot of like just issues with with different things. And so, you know, I start to develop a mindset of not wanting to be criticised. So I sort of stick to what it is I know I'm good at to avoid that. And over time, these just become beliefs and we start to think that's who we really are. But actually, the deeply ingrained ones are also mindsets, essentially. And the good news is, is that all the research shows that even if you do have a mindset that you've had for a long time and you know what it is and it gets in your way, They can be changed. So all the research and certainly my experience as well shows that even if you've got mindsets that are not helpful for you, you can change them.
1: So, you know, it's interesting. Years ago when I was working for a government organisation, we had, I think I was in a team of maybe, would there have been 10 of us, maybe 12, I was in the marketing communications team. And we had like a team retreat day and we had a facilitator come and she did Myers-Briggs with the whole team. And it was really interesting because it was really great to see, to get insights into ourselves and also other members of the team and go, oh, I can see why I might butt up against that person. I can see why we get along, why we work really well together. And it's funny, my Myers-Briggs type was an E-N-F-P. And when I did the little analysis on that, it was like, you're a really great worker, bee, You're a really great team player, but you're not a leader or a manager. And so I'm going to be honest, that has stuck with me. Like That was some, uh, say, 18 years ago. And that has stuck with me ever since. And it's something that I've really struggled with. And so I went to Nepal back in 2014. Felt compelled to do something. Before I started the Got You Back Sister Charity, I started a community called the Sister Code and holding fundraisers and did and, and did this Got You Back Sister Day because I wanted to do I wanted to do something positive. I did not know what that was like because I'd seen all this suffering over in Nepal of women experiencing abuse and a lot of sexual abuse. And um, anyway, I, I was really stuck around that. I I really. I had lots of people saying they wanted to be involved, but I I felt like a complete fraud. And I went to Sydney and spent half a day with a woman who was doing some like coaching. And um, she said to me, well, you're a leader. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm like, and she goes, yes, you are. You're leading this. And I was like, no, but I'm like, my Myers-Briggs told me. Back then, it was like ten years ago. That no, I'm not a leader. I'm a worker bee. I'm a really good team player. I'm not. A, I'm not a leader. And that kind of she she made me really look at that. But it's but it's interesting that that has stuck with me all those years and I can get real imposter syndrome around that. I'm being incredibly vulnerable and in sharing that right now, but it's but it's true. And it's something that I have had to go on this whole journey on and actually trying to develop myself in terms of leadership and that mindset around leadership, which is why I love you. <laughs> and the work that you do. And, and, you know, I love seeing you speak. I saw you speak again at the Business Chicks retreat back in May, and I got so much from that.
0: Want to fill your soul with more? Go to sisterco.com. Do
1: you find in your work now, because you actually are, are coaching and working with people and organisations around mindset. Does anybody else come up against that? Like, like me, that, that whole belief around who they are as a leader? Yeah,
2: absolutely. And thanks for sharing that, Mel. Um, I think it's, it's such a good example too of how we can read one thing and we we hear one thing about ourselves and we then kind of meld our life to mean it. But I actually think so many of your listeners, even if they had, you know, didn't have that specific experience, so many women, we we don't think we're leaders. And this is one of the in fact the book that i'm writing at the moment and should be out at the end of november it's just at the editors now it's called the leader's mindset because women in particular don't believe that we're leaders and we we hold back from leadership and it's a big part of that is because we have we've internalized a very old view very old paradigm masculine view about what leadership is and we've seen leadership as like you know you're older male charismatic decisive alpha in some way and we look at that and we just think well, that we don't see ourselves in that and so we don't think that we are and in fact speaking about business chicks we used to run these leadership immersion programs to countries where women would go and go to villages and learn about leadership. And to apply for it, one of the questions was, what kind of leader are you? And there must have been over the years, probably, I don't know, 300 women who applied for these more. For these programs and i would say mel a good at least 95 percent of women would say oh i'm not really comfortable with this question i don't really see myself as a leader oh just all of this sort of stuff and by any stretch of the imagination they they were all leaders and it's because we have this old definition and i think it's really important for us to to claim our inherent leadership and that we are leaders if we're making an impact and leaders don't look a certain way and all of us have the ability. It's just not a person, and it's not a personality trait, as you were duped into by you know by that kind of my Myers Briggs test. And one of my big passions is us reclaiming our ability to make an impact and to to lead in a way that that we can. I mean, we're we're facing huge challenges in the world. We're facing our sixth next mass extinction. We need so many, and we all have this, so many of us have this ache, this sort of ache in our own heart, this yearning to be more and to contribute more and to to express our self. And that takes leadership and that's the sort of leadership that I'm interested in unlocking and that's the sort of lead. And so that's why when you're an imposter, like an imposter syndrome, it's like you're not. Like I get that you feel that way, but maybe an imposter to that really old version of leadership, which is like, eh, (laughs) But actually, you're to fully embrace your quirky, bold, passionate, heart centered, outrageous, you know, amazing sense of you as a leader, Mel, fully unleashed, fully unfettered in Newcastle and in the world. That's the sort of leadership that, like, for you to own that that's not being an imposter at all. That's like fully owning your maleness of leadership.
1: I actually just got a moment of con- like complete excitement then going, I'm going to own my maleness of leadership. <laughs> I love that. I love it. You're right. Because it's it's so true. It's like, because there's all these paradigms that we have about what that should look like, what leadership should look like. I'm totally going to own that. My maleness of leadership. Now, you've put out a white paper around uh, leadership and, and mindset, which I've haven't read, gotten all the way through, but I've I've been reading, and you talk about different types of mindsets: fixed and growth mindsets, and limited and expansive mindsets. Do you mind just sharing a little bit about that? Because I, I found that really interesting and I kind of was looking, kind of doing a bit of a self-analysis around that as to, you know, okay, where I need to improve on, where I think I'm going okay. And then I, I'll share a bit about how I did your quiz online and, um, and <laughs> I'm interested in what you think of my results. <laughs> I haven't
2: seen the results yet. So yeah, you'll have to share them. I'll have to have, yeah. I haven't gone onto the app to have a look. The the big research around mindsets was pioneered by a Stanford professor called Carol Dweck, probably 30 plus, 35 years ago. And she researched mindsets in schools and kids. And she was the one who came up with the terms fixed and growth mindsets. So a fixed mindset, there's many different ways it can play out, but it's when you believe you can't change you've kind of picked your lane and you have to stay in there and, and really it's about you've got a certain amount of skills and they're your skills and you can't really develop skills anywhere else so going back to my example of I'm just not very good at maths but I'm really good at writing it would mean that you know I can never change my I'll just never do anything that's maths related whereas a growth mindset means that yeah you may have some natural attributes and we all sort of do but you can grow and learn in all areas so i can still grow and be- become good at maths i can still learn to read a pnl for instance or you know you don't so much believe in natural talent you know that if i keep practicing and and learning i can keep growing and evolving and so and she has like different sort of examples around that and then in the work that i'd done i sort of telescoped out a little bit from Fixed and growth, but I also see it in terms of having a limited mindset. And that often is around leadership. So I don't, I can't lead or you can't lead. You don't see things are possible. You feel very resigned, you feel hopeless, you feel overwhelmed. That's really a limited having limited mindset. And then the expansive is the is the opposite of that, where you see, yeah, you see that something may be possible, that change is possible, that I can lead that maybe others can lead also. Yeah, you just have more an expanded sense of the world, what's possible and your relationship.
1: Okay, I'm going to let you know the results of my quiz. So if you go to Kathy's, Kathy Burke's website, kathyburke.com, she has a quiz on there and it's the Leader's Mindset Diagnostic Quiz. So I jumped online and did that this morning. It didn't take too long. It was great. And so I'll tell you where I scored. So there are four areas. as leadership, growth mindset, confidence, and team. So on the leadership, I scored 75%. On the, on the growth mindset, I scored... 50%. A bit of work to do there. A bit of work to do. Okay, this is interesting. This this really shocked me. <laughs> the confidence. God, I got 100%, which I'm like going, that's weird because I've just shared with you like I get imposter syndrome around the whole leadership thing, which is weird. Anyways, and team, I scored 43. So I'm guessing there's some work for me to do there.
2: Yeah, the team is often one that's a low one. But but with your confidence, Mel, I mean, I, knowing you, I'm not surprised at 100%. And I I actually hope that, I, I think as women, we often think we have a view of ourselves as not very confident. And so many women say, you know, I just want to improve my confidence if I had more confidence. But sometimes I think, we think that about ourselves but when you actually drill into it we're getting awesome shit done and actually doing things so our sometimes our narrative about i'm just not very confident is is counteracted by the results and how people show up and i'm sure none of your listeners would be surprised at 100 percent confidence there and also leadership and growth mindset too but what what was your takeaway from it mel like where did you feel that sort of resonated or what surprised you about what you learned from that
1: I was surprised by the confidence the leadership I was pleasantly surprised I'm going to be honest because I have that that old belief in my head and it's funny like many of us as women I know that I can go oh what do other people think of me as a leader you know what I mean? Worrying about what other people think. And that's something I've been working on is to go, actually, I need to, like, you want people, do you want people to respect you, but you don't want to be a slave to what other people think. Um, And with the growth mindset, I thought I might've been a little bit higher on that. So I I kind of went back and I was reading your white paper and looking at, um, you know, the fixed and and limited um, mindsets. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I do get a bit, okay, this is how we've always done it. But then I also go, there are times when we come up against a wall like if we come up against a roadblock i'm like i know i'm very good at very quickly going and analyzing that and going right this is the way we need to go like you know and changing direction very quickly so i go oh i know i can do that so i don't fall in a heap and you know and crying, get in the fetal position in the corner of the room i'm like no, right okay we need to look for some solutions come up with some so i know that i'm good at that i can very quickly come up with different alternatives do a quick analysis and then go right this is the right way forward i'll
2: have a look at how you answered the questions and i'll send you um, an yeah. email with it just for the listeners who are reading i'm not actually sure that the it's actually on the on the website so what to do is i think you, you've got it through the newsletter so yes. if people want to join the newsletter please do so it's free it comes out once a week and you do go to kathyburke.com and that's just on the tab on the front page just click join the newsletter um and then it's through there I have that information on my – in the newsletter of how to do the, the leader's mindset thing in there. So. Or just send me, a, send me an email through the website. Yeah, and I
1: highly recommend it. I mean, at the end of the day, we don't grow if we can't actually self-reflect and look at ourselves and go, okay, where can I do better? really so I, I i think it's great i highly recommend reach out to Kathy and 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 subscribe and, and get uh, the quiz link and do it and see what you find want to save
0: your soul review us on apple podcast
1: now, I was reading one of your articles and I just wanna read this quote that was in one of the articles. You said, Stephen Covey wrote in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People that being busy doing stuff is not an effective is not effective if we're not sharpening the saw. Spending time laboring away, expending energy inefficiently is not smart. Take time to ensure our tools are in the best shape is. Mindsets is one of our biggest tools working on them is sharpening the saw. That is a very big lead into how can we sharpen the saw with our mindset? So one of the things with mindsets is that it, what what's happening
2: when we come up against difficulties is often it's stuff's happening in our environment. So You'll get a cross email from a client. You know, your kid gets sick on the day. You've got a big something happening, you know, COVID. All of these things. And so we spend so much energy trying to fix the external situation rather than working on how we're reacting to stuff, so being less reactive. So I have a process and I think that's in the in the white paper and it's, it's a four-step process and it's firstly notice your mindset. So we don't notice it because we just think that's just how we are and how our situation is so notice what am I actually thinking about this situation how am I reacting like what's really going on here and then you question it and you think well is it true that I'm worthless because I'm stupid or I can't do anything because and you just I've got different ways that people can question it and then you choose a new mindset think okay well I'm now going to show up as as brave in this conversation or I'm going to choose to actually take 10 minutes off to recharge and then I'm going to come back with a fresh perspective and then you take that action. So it's a constant process. You don't, It's not like a one-stop shop. It's just yeah. constantly bringing our attention to what am I thinking and then you're questioning, is what I'm thinking even true? And then how do I want to think about this and then what action do I want to take? And it's just this circular Thing that I use like all the time now because I get stopped you know what am I doing is this right thing but I've got a way of sort of cutting through it much quicker now and I also have a lot of compassion for myself because and this is the thing about mindsets like we think it's got the word mind in it so it's all about our mind but actually so much of it's just it's about our own heart it's about bringing compassion to to our fears to the stories we've told ourselves to to our yeah to just what what's really going on for us because often our reaction isn't anything to do with the situation it can trigger some older story of like one of mine is Kathy I was a really bad asthmatic growing up and I was never picked for the netball team Never. Oh no! It's it's so weird. (laughs) I know, but it's so weird how if I perceive that I'm not included in something or I'm not wanted in something, wow, it's just like ten year old asthmatic wheezy Kathy. She's just there, and it's not even conscious. I I notice that I'm immediately like, oh, I'm feeling a bit left out. Why am I? Why am I not included? Which, and then I think that's a mindset. So then I can I can see, yeah, that's yeah, like. that's fine. Like little Kathy, you're okay. And then big Kathy can just think, yeah, okay, that's fine. I'm not included in this. That's, that's perfectly appropriate. And I can go on to the next thing. So we're really doing, like when I work with people, I run a program called Rising Male, and I'm just about to launch an online community for women, um, which I'll be sending you information about. Please send me information about that. I will, because so much of it, it's not just like oh, I'm gonna like like a machine work out my mindset. It's actually giving space to our frailties, our vulnerabilities. That actually we're, you know, we're human. It's it's fine that I feel like that. And and that's just little eight-year-old Kathy and and just letting her feel loved and not abandoned and then I can then I can step into my current Kathy and make my decisions and my choices. It's like a very healing way to incorporate us as full leaders it means to be able to incorporate all of us, our frailties, our little feelings of being neglected or all of that sort of stuff, and embracing it into us so that we can then choose to rise and lead in a way that works for us but it's in a new paradigm it's not about papering that over or or hardening ourselves up to it so um yeah that's part of a mindset process as well as being being kind to yourself that if you find yourself negative trash talking yourself it's like oh i'm noticing that that's probably a mindset you know what is that really how i want to talk to myself what would be a loving way to talk to myself? And then choosing, choosing to practice that in that way. It's a constant thing though, Mel. There's no like silver bullet to it. But I find it's just, it's been a beautiful process of growth for me over the last-
1: 30 odd years. Yeah, well, definitely send me that information. <laughs> and if anybody else is interested in learning more about Cathy's program, Rising, is that okay for them to send you a, a, a fill out the form on your website as well to get further information? Yep, definitely.
2: Yep, awesome. that would be great.
0: Let's get soulful on social media. Search the Sister Code Facebook page and follow us on Instagram.
1: Can we transform someone else's mindset
2: well no you can't because only you can do your own work but i i that is the last chapter in the book actually like how do i share because it's true how do i share this with others so yeah in organizations particularly that i work with i do all this like leader's mindset work with them and they're like totally all on board and they're all they're all all the leadership teams are doing it and stuff But then they're like, how can I get Kelly from accounts to do this? She really needs this. Her mindset (laughs) sucks. How do I fix my team? (laughs) How do I fix my team? They're so, like, their mindset's so negative. They really need this. And I, I totally get it because we all, I feel like we all do need it. But I've devoted the last chapter on the book how to, and it starts off with a whole bunch of do's and don'ts and one of them is don't do it to try and fix them because if that's what you're trying to do, then the, then that's your mindset issue. Yeah. Um, but if you're doing it because you just see that more is, is available to them, that, um, you know, that you just want to, them to grow into their potential, you see the leaders that they can be, then absolutely, yes, yeah, so and I have a whole whole way of, of doing that i'm doing that but it's so funny i've just i've just rewritten the edits for that chapter this morning yeah you can but as i said there's do's and don'ts. you but first do the work yourself before you try to start inflicting it on other people because it will be inflicting you'll be trying to fix them and judging them or oh look at ben ben in sales is you know look his mindset's just really fucked and it's like, yeah well maybe it is but your mindset needs the work first it's like they say on the airplanes
1: fix your own mask i love it fix your own mask first tell us again so the name of the book is the mindset process
2: well i was calling that but it's actually called the leader's mindset and i think it will be out certainly by beginning of december but hopefully by the end of november
1: and so to find out more information about you and your work and if people have any inquiries or would like to do your quiz or read your white paper just go to com, and that's kathy with a c
2: b-u-r-k-e not it's not burke as in burke street melbourne it's c-a-t-h-y-b-u-r-k-e.com
1: well, I just want to thank you for coming on Hey Soul Sister because you really are such an inspirational woman and I know we throw around the term inspirational a lot, but we can, but I go, you actually, you really are. Like all the work you have done helping people rise around the world and now you're doing it for people here. I, I, I just think you're awesome and I can't wait to hear about rising and thanks so much for joining us on Hay Soul Sister. Woohoo, you're most welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to Hey Soul Sister with Mel Histon. What would help you on your crazy life journey? Email melissa at thesistercode.com.